starting the start of the episode with a very exciting announcement, which is some of you who are regular listeners may remember this time last year, roughly, when I was absolutely green with envy because Jen got the chance to go to the CPHVA conference um, and I didn't, and I was really grumpy about it. <laughs> she recorded an episode with me um, describing how fantastic the conference was and how much she'd enjoyed it and some of the learning that she took away from it. So this year we have, I'm very excited to announce, we've been invited to the CPHVA conference um, by Unite in order to podcast about it. So we're going to be down there for the whole two-day conference. Um, It's down in Bournemouth and they've got some absolutely incredible speakers, some brilliant workshops that I'm really excited and looking forward to. Really looking forward to meeting um, lots of speakers and bringing you some of that expertise and that knowledge um, on the podcast. This year's conference, the title is Learn From The Past, Your Role, Your Voice, Your Future. And really the theme for the conference is all about the anniversary year of 2018. Um, They're taking the opportunity to celebrate the achievements of the NHS, the suffragette movement and the contributions for the Windrush generation. And the idea really of the conference this year is to empower the participants and to make the delegates really feel that they have the opportunity to influence the future of health visiting, which I think is such an important message in the current um, national context of health visiting. I'm for one, I'm really looking forward to it. There are still tickets available. Um, You can get them through the website, which is cphvaconference.co.uk. And you can also view the full programme online there as well. It's got all the details of the speakers and workshops that are on there. It's also got information about how to access funding and various different ideas about how to do that. There's some tips as well on getting funding from your employer. So mentioning things about the conference programme and how relevant that would be for you, about the networking opportunities, transferable information you'll learn, um, how important it is for revalidation, Um, policy updates that you're going to gain and also obviously disseminating and sharing all of those useful insights that you get from the conference to share with the rest of the team. So if you haven't already got your ticket and you're considering it, it's worth running that by your, your trust, your manager. It's worth a try. All they can do is say no in worst case scenario. Best case scenario, you could be joining us. You can get tickets for either one day or two days, so you can come along um, for one part of it if that's what you can do, or for the whole thing. If you do come, please come and say hello to us. It would be lovely to meet some of you face to face. We're very excited about it and we're looking forward to seeing you there. Hello and welcome to the I'm a Health Visitor podcast. I'm Jenny. And I'm Amy. And today we're going to talk about sticky eyes, but it's something that comes up a heck of a lot, isn't it? Sure is, yeah. Um, I think this is something which I can always guarantee comes up in probably at least one or two new birth visits I do a month. Oh, at least. quite regularly in clinic and six to eight week reviews and things. So it's it's something there's lots of uh, conversations around. Yeah. Um, And it's something which, I mean, quite often is... A self-limiting infection, yeah, um, and the problem that actually we just need to reassure, um, yeah, and be using sort of cool boiled water on. But so we need to kind of know when 
that's not appropriate when to take further action, yeah. don't we? So we thought it would be a good one to do a podcast on because it's quite clear, actually, that we know a fair amount about this now. Um, and, you know, health visitors will know. But it's it's the main thing is distinguishing between a blocked tear duct and an infection. Yeah. And that's ultimately, ultimately what you're trying to do. So... Um, Blocked tear duct is, as you say, a self-limiting thing. It's not infectious. It's not. It's not an infection of any kind. It's literally um, the drainage going away from the eye, so clearing away the tears. So when you say blocked tear duct, people sometimes think, oh, it can't be a blocked tear duct because their eyes are weeping all the time or their eyes are really watery all the time. But actually, that's one of the symptoms of a blocked tear duct because it's not the the actual gland that produces the tears that's blocked it's the duct that takes away yeah. the tears the drainage yeah um that's blocked because most babies i mean it's not until around two weeks that babies actually start making tears and typically, crying with tears, yeah typically. yeah i, don't I know. think it's a worrying thing if by two months they're not yet making tears but i think parents do sometimes get confused thinking the blocked tear duct is big why babies don't cry real tears at birth kind of thing yes yeah so it's not the actual production of the the tears that's the issue it's the drainage drainage. of them um so a blocked tear duct um typically watery eyes maybe sticky discharge usually clear or white discharge yeah so it's the actual drainage that's blocked which does make more sense um and it's distinguishing really the important thing is telling the difference between a blocked tear duct and an infection. Yeah. So how would you know if it was an infection? Okay, so I'm putting my my kind of alien head back on again. <laughs> and I think the first things I'd be looking out for in an infection are yeah, inflammation mm-hmm. and infection. So I would be if the eye was inflamed and red and swollen. Yeah. That would be a big warning sign to me. If the discharge was um like snot you know like that horrible yellowy greeny kind of color that again to me would indicate infection Mm. i think as well how quickly the gunk returns after cleaning you know if it's just that the eye is crusty after they've had a sleep then i would be less concerned if it was just gunking up and even when they've cleaned it it's then quite gunky again relatively quickly that would I would be erring towards an infection okay, yeah. then. That's um, a new one. That's pain, not in painful yeah. about you know sort of pain, is it pain, definitely painful touching? Yeah. Or is it? Are they quite comfortable with it despite? Yeah. It all being so. Yeah. So they exactly spot on. Oh wow! <laughs> Full marks. <laughs> Nobody's surprised by this. So, <laughs> so yeah. So the only thing that wasn't there that you said is the bit about um, how quickly it comes back because I think sometimes and a block. Just can be something really that quickly. I'm. That might just be something I'm imagining as well. Yeah. You know, it's that but anticipation of the, the gunkiness, yeah. and that's possibly sort of also more my anticipate my um, feeling of yeah, how severe how an severe infection is it? is it? Yeah, exactly. And so the the key thing they say is that the what you're looking out for the most common infection that causes this is conjunctivitis um, which is an inflammation of the outer membrane that covers the whites of the eyes so what you'd be looking out for there is really redness in those whites of the eyes yeah um and that's what so would give you the, a really the, clear the indication the scleria 
being yeah. red yeah, yeah, rather exactly. than just around the eye. Because yeah, you often get it where the eye looks a bit puffy, but the eye, the actual sclerea and everything looks clear, nice and clear. So if I had a puffy outside of the eye that was swollen with a clear sclera or sclera yeah. or however you pronounce it, I would probably keep an eye on that baby because it might be that there's an infection that's about to emerge. Yeah. Um, any kind of inflammation I would be watchful but really your conjunctivitis is the inflammation of the membrane covering the whites of the eyes so it's redness swelling pain and itching not wanting to open their eyes so wanting to have their eyes closed lights irritating their eyes those kinds of things you know yourself you've had an eye infection it's that kind of gritty feeling isn't it that itches and irritates your eyes and that's the difference between a blocked tear duct and an infection is that redness and that irritation um it is quite important because if you leave conjunctivitis and treated it can cause serious eye problems yeah. and issues with their vision Definitely. and things like that so and it's particularly concerning in very young babies so there's always yeah. a concern especially after a vaginal birth that it could be picking up on um bugs yes. from the mother and things yeah as well. yeah so the most common causes of eye infection and it doesn't necessarily mean that this is something that the mother has had but it could be that, so it could be something from the birth canal, particularly if it presents yeah. in the first month of life. And the fir- most common causes are um, syphilis, gonorrhea, and um, so chlamydia is the other one, yeah, exactly. I remember back in my A&E days there being a lot of talk where it was when sort of, you know, chlamydia had really come to the forefront of uh, STI awareness, that there was a lot about... Yeah. Yeah, if, if they weren't responding to the antibiotic treatment, that they need to be swabbed and that the mother would need to be swabbed as well. Yeah. Because especially as sort of, as with a lot of STIs, something like this could be what then makes the mum find out she's got it, which could also yeah, end up being untreated, affect yeah. her future fertility and things. Yeah. So, so watching out for those, those kind of red flags, really red flags, see what I did there. <laughs> Oh, well, I make myself laugh at least. Um, yeah, watching out for like redness and swelling and itching. Um, green or yellow discharge. Generally, an infection will start in one eye first if it's a bacterial infection, like the ones we just talked about. So, yeah. gonorrhea, syphilis, um, or um, chlamydia. Chlamydia. I don't know why I can't I'm remember that. Really yeah. <laughs> um, the other thing that it can be if it's an. Um, infection is an allergic infection rather than a bacterial yeah so like an allergic response rather than yeah exactly rather than a bacterial infection which is almost like a third thing that i hadn't really thought about no as an alternative to to a blocked tear duct i think that not so much in babies but i know personally i have allergic um conjunctivitis yeah to pollen to cat fur yeah so it's it's something which is sort of it's a regular thing that i know of because i'm living that dream yeah (laughs) wonderful so so yeah so the allergic conjunctivitis again you would see redness yeah so really redness is your key that's your key sign what i would think is with the allergic conjunctivitis you're probably not getting the discharge as much you're getting more of a 
red red eyes with watery exactly discharge. yeah clear or watery discharge yeah exactly um, and typically with an allergic conjunctivitis it would start in both eyes at once rather than yeah. one eye first I mean obviously it's with a bacterial infection or bacterial conjunctivitis it can pass from one eye to the other easily and it can also pass to other members of the family easily so you know things like taking precautions with sharing towels and things like that is yes. very, very yeah, important yeah, yeah. with that obviously um, so now you've distinguished then, you've, you've decided whether this is blocked tear duct, there's no redness and it's just a normal blocked tear duct or whether it's an infection. Obviously it's an infection, if you're a health visitor in the UK you want to be getting that baby seen by a GP fairly quickly, yeah. especially if it's in the first month, definitely, definitely. you want them to be seen urgently. Yes. Um, there's different treatments you can have. So if it's a bacterial um, conjunctivitis, they'd be treated with antibiotics, obviously, um, of some form. And yeah. depending on which bug is causing it will be different, whether they're treated with oral or whether they're treated with drops or yeah. what they're treated with. Um, if it's an allergic to conjunctivitis, it would be an antihistamine treatment. Yeah. Um, and then there is another treatment, which we've read a little bit about on the Lalexia, yeah, which so commonly people do use. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of these things where it's often put out there about using breast milk um, for these sorts of things mm. and for many things, and a lot of anecdotal evidence about it being effective. Um, there isn't as strong an evidence base as you'd hope, but actually it's not all negative. Um, it's not a new idea. Um, there's a, a quote saying... Um, it is an emollient and cool and curious red eye immediately. So you may have uh, caught on there with the cure. It was actually from the 18th century talking about using um, human breast milk for eye infections. Okay. Um, but there is some more recent research, um, Verd et al. in 2007, um, published an account, a, a retrospective and descriptive account rather than qualitative, quantitative, about switching. Um, treatment for infants with blocked tear ducts with antibiotic eye drops to using mother's milk milk instead. So is this for a blocked tear duct or for an infection? For a blocked tear duct. Right, okay. Um, But yeah, as we know, the blocked tear ducts mainly do get better without any treatment anyway. Yeah. Um, But yeah, they sort of seem to to suggest that it was probably safe um, and yeah, more readily available and cheaper than yeah, um, drops. Yeah. In, in this case, with blocked tear ducts, it showed no no no, no real it, difference, difference either way. Yeah. Um, whether antibiotics were used or mother's milk, so it's that thing of think more thinking. Well, actually, if there's no difference in mother's milk, do you really need to have the antibiotics prescribed yeah. there? Um, in um, Bainham and colleagues in 2012, um, was it? Did, an Sorry. experiment around the most common bugs causing mm. um, conjunctivitis, and they actually, yeah, they had the, those bacteria on petri dishes. They added um, breast milk to them to sort of see what would happen. And in this case, I mean, all of the samples they had of um, donated breast milk all contained bacteria, including some bacteria that could cause human disease. And they saw that there was some inhibition of bacterial growth, but the inhibition wasn't strong, and that they felt it wasn't likely that um, breast milk alone would be um, effective against the most common causes of paediatric conjunctivitis. Uh-huh. However, they did find that the human milk was most effective against the bacteria that causes gonorrhea, which is the same that causes some of the most serious neonatal eye infections worldwide. 
And this, this they said, you know, it wasn't as good as an antibiotic, but actually in resource poor, poor communities, developing world, the human milk would be better than nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's a really interesting finding, isn't it? Definitely. But then the final thing which I did find really interesting, and um, this we will link to it, but this was actually a Laleshley Canada um, information sheet, um, looked at human milk as um, something which was very effective in resolving inflammation. And um, they said that the, um, the isolates from human milk contain chemical signals with pro-resolving actions, namely limiting neutrophil trafficking in vivo, mm-hmm. enhancing human macrophage phagocytosis, <laughs> um, which, I mean, in plainer English... Roughly, they found that there were factors that stimulated the resolution of acute inflammation by containing bacteria and enhancing the activities of the white blood cells that mm-hmm. engulf and digest cell debris. Okay. So actually, could it be that some have found breast milk as a positive when treating conjunctivitis, that actually maybe it hasn't so much treated the infection mm. but actually helped to reduce the inflammation yeah and actually boosted the white blood cells efficacy yeah. so i think from that if i was giving advice to a parent of a child with conjunctivitis then um i'm a right in thinking that it's not necessarily a treatment for the infection so they still need the antibiotics unless yeah. they're in an environment where they can't get access to antibiotics in which case the milk is better than nothing yeah um but so it's not so use your antibiotics but that it's not going to do any harm so this verdital showed that it doesn't do any harm yeah so you may as well be using it and it might have an anti-inflammatory effect so it might be soothing in terms of if you're using the antibiotic eye drops you know yourself don't you if you've got an infection you constantly want to be putting eye drops in because of that soothing feeling of having something rinse your eyes so maybe if it doesn't do any harm there's no side effects and it's just their mother's milk you can use that yeah. as frequently as you like can't you to soothe that exactly and also that sensation it, it's something baby. which is going to be more readily available immediately that you spot the signs of an infection we all know yeah. how tricky it can be getting to gp, GP. yeah so you can so you can there is something to be said that it can be started straight away yeah before um yeah while waiting for further yeah so yeah so that's so if it's conjunctivitis so it might you might have some benefits from using breast milk alongside um antibiotics but definitely if you're in the uk and you've spotted a newborn that you think is an infection um or is a conjunctivitis whether it's allergic or bacterial they definitely need to be seen yeah because that can cause eye problems in the future yeah um so don't use breast milk instead of antibiotics but alongside it it could be good um in terms of treating a blocked duct, so one of those studies was about the treatment of yes. a blocked duct. Yeah. And it found that it wasn't effective, but it's not harmful. Yeah. And that's broadly not surprising because it's not going to be effective at clearing a blocked duct because ultimately what you're talking about is blockage in the draining. Yeah. So breast milk, there's no rationale for why no. that would necessarily help with that. But it's not going to hurt no. and if parents are doing it there's no reason to say they shouldn't you and know because i did see some of the information about massage and where to massage i mean mm-hmm. i don't think i can even really probably pinpoint where you would need to massage 
Of yeah, you so can practice on yourself because you'll feel your nose running. Yeah, you, you can it. feel it. So it's like if you put your finger in the corner of your where your eye meets your nose, the corner of your eye where it meets yeah. your nose, and then you pull like press down gently and pull in and down, you can feel like a it, it feels quite nice actually. <laughs> All over the country that that's people just to be clear, if you're driving maybe this isn't the moment to try this out. But yeah, so that's one of the things they suggest you can do for a block duct is like a regular little massage. Right. I always the reason I know how to do that is because I get migraines and oh, I always right. like do that when I've got a migraine and it really oh, helps. Right. I don't know why. That's not anything evidence based. That's no. just when I have a headache I just naturally find myself do it. So anyway. <laughs> That's what you do. You just massage so from the bit where your eye meets your nose in yeah. and down slightly, and it like helps that blocked duct helps that duct to drain cool. those those tears away, um, and well, and it usually goes away on its own. Yeah, but what if it continues to be an issue? So they say twelve months is kind of the cut off. And I always, when we have a blocked duct early days in the new birth or whatever, I always try and put this in context, like, we are not expecting this to resolve in the next few weeks. Yeah. Just to be clear with everyone, this is months we're talking about, because what you're waiting for is the duct to grow big enough. (laughs) Um, So it's not going to happen overnight, and you're going to be looking at months probably. Um, So... In the long term, which is not, you know, it's not a fun thing. <laughs> no. It's not a fun thing. Hey, on a podcast, I could be months. Yeah. <laughs> I know. But it's better to say that because oh, no, if you've just said it will resolve on its own and they're not giving them any indication of how long yeah. that might take, every week they're going to be coming back to you going, it's still not gone. It's still not gone. Yeah, yeah. And they're going to be then worrying about it. So if it carries on past 12 months, then we would do an eye specialist referral. And there is like a procedure where they will pass like a really small instrument, tiny thin instrument down the duct to clear it, apparently. Um, But it's unusual for people to need that. Usually it does clear it. But if you're still getting watering or discharge at 12 months, um, then, you know, health visitors can refer for that procedure. Yeah. Um, So that's sticky eyes, really. What about um, sticky eyes? Yes, <laughs> yeah. And I just think that's just a really important thing where, you know, if you are, it's that thing of counselling the parents as well, isn't it? If you think, or the mother in particular, if we think that there is yeah, a, a, a condition causing it that may have been uh, yeah. passed on, to yeah. ensure that they get that specialist treatment as well. Treatment as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, so... I learned loads researching this because it's actually there's loads of stuff yeah. out there that I didn't know. So hopefully there's been some things in there that you didn't realise about just the normal sticky eye. Yeah, learned a bit hopefully. No, <laughs> like I did. Completely. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. And if you want to get in touch, you can get in touch via Twitter at I am a HV, or via our Facebook page I am a health visitor, or even um, via email I am a health visitor at gmail.com and we'd love to hear from you and please do if you're listening on iTunes please do rate and review us and subscribe so that we just drop into your phone every two weeks or so take care in the meantime thanks very much for listening see you soon bye